Moses speaking in Deuteronomy chapter 30. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice and keep the commands and decrees written in this book of instruction. If you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. This command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you. It is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go to heaven and bring it down so that we can hear it and obey? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so that we can hear it and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can Obey it. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death. Between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands and decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. And if you do this, you will live and multiply. The Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to occupy. Fantastic. I was sitting yesterday, you know, wondering and preparing and wondering what I was going to speak on. And uh, if you ever find yourself in that situation, feel like you haven't got anything to say, <laughs> read Ephesians 3, verse 7. Paul writes, For by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he has graciously given me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. We're given this privilege. You know, we stress about getting a word for the church, don't we? We stress about being current, getting some fresh revelation from the Lord. We always want a new word, a fresh word. Maybe we don't need a new word. Maybe we need to act upon the word that we already have. The word. Yeah, God's word. The good news. So this morning we're just going to read and understand and digest, hopefully, the truth and the power of the good news. Yeah, the gospel. The world's changing and we live in a world that is very hostile to the truth. And so the way that we apply the word and deliver the word and that kind of stuff might be different, but its core cannot be new. It can't be changed. It's the truth. It's so important to have a firm grasp of the truth. We're the body of Christ in this world, and we are called to be the church. We are the Bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ and we are called to share this message of truth, this gospel. Romans 10 verse 8, Paul quotes that Deuteronomy passage. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, 
is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. There is now no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So that's really it this morning. That's the scripture that we're looking at. How can they call on the one that they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? What is the good news? What is the truth? What is this message? Is it hard to reach? Is it hard to understand? Where can I find it? What do we need to be saved from? (laughs) Yeah, it's our job to be messengers of the gospel and to share this basic truth of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and our experience of salvation. We don't have the power to save anybody. I don't have the power to save anybody. Jesus Christ does. We have his word. We have his Holy Spirit. We don't have a magic formula that will fix everybody's problems. We really don't. (laughs) But we have a message of truth and good news. Yeah? We need to represent it to the best of our ability. If we call ourselves Christians, then... This is our job. We're representing that name. We're carrying that banner. The good news, the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, in this world that denies God, denies truth, without Christ you are born. If you're lucky, you're born. (laughs) And you live and you have good times, and you have bad times, you have wins and losses, you struggle and you do a lot of work, you know, and without Christ, ultimately, what are you doing? Where's your meaning? You've got no value, and life really doesn't amount to much. You might as well do what you want. In the end, there's no consequences anyway. If you ask me, that's a pretty bleak existence. If I woke up every day and I just thought I was one day closer to the end of this difficult and pointless life, (laughs) you know, no amount of good deeds or hard work I could ever do would actually change that. If you ask me, that's something worth being saved from. The truth is, this world and this universe is created and sustained by a powerful God. You and your life was created and is sustained every day by a powerful God. Yeah? Of all the things he has created, in fact, you know, you read the scriptures and the absolute majesty of creation, you know, you look into the sky, of all the things that he has created, all the glorious power and majesty of the planets and the stars and the forces of nature, it is us that he values most highly. 
you, me. We're created in his image. We're the apple of his eye. Yeah? He formed you. He breathed life into you and he sees who you have become. Every decision that you have made. The highlights of your life so far and the hardest struggles. He sees it. And his desire is to walk with you through this life and to uphold you and to give you value and purpose and identity. And ultimately, he desires to take us from this life and take us to be with him in his presence. Yeah? This world had a beginning and it will have an end. And this life will have an end, yeah? One way or another. And God, as our loving creator and our father, desires to take us from this temporary world full of difficulties and suffering and bring us into his glorious, eternal presence as children and as heirs. That is a hope. Now, the problem is, (laughs) the problem that we have in this life is that the standard of our lives do not meet the standard that God sets. Yeah, we have all made mistakes. We have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But that was the purpose of the cross. Okay? The purpose of the cross, the purpose of the death of Jesus Jesus Christ and his death, you know, the historical event, Roman soldiers just outside Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago. He offered his life, as we've heard this morning, for our sake, yeah, as a ransom for our sake. All of our sin, all of our guilt can be laid on Christ and his death pays our debt. In return, we're covered by his righteousness. We're clothed by his righteousness, he says. And we can stand before God, before our Holy Father, as forgiven and free. In Romans 6, it says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's Sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Jesus Christ, by his death, offers us forgiveness. And by his resurrection, offers us hope and a future beyond this world. Let's talk about faith. Faith is a word used by a lot of Christians in the same way that the rest of the world uses the words wishful thinking. (laughs) Yeah? Or even ignorance. What is faith? In Hebrews it says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command 
so that what is seen is made out of what is visible, not made out of what is visible. Now, I sometimes listen to a guy called Frank Torek. Okay, some of you might know who he is. He uh, runs a ministry called Cross-Examined, and he speaks at conferences and universities and that kind of stuff. I might have told you this story before. But he's given an example of how he opens up a lot of his Q&As and stuff like that. With questions like this. Do you believe that Christianity is true? Now, if he's speaking in a church, then you would expect the answer to be yes, for the most part. And so then his next question is, why? And the most common answer that he says he gets is, because I have faith. Now, is that a good answer? Does my faith change whether or not Christianity is true? Does my faith have any bearing on the truth of Scripture? Yeah? Does does my faith have any bearing on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you have to believe something to make it true? Yeah? Do you believe in gravity? If you don't believe in gravity, will you float away? Whether you call yourself a Christian, whether you call yourself an atheist, whatever you call yourself, it does nothing to change the truth. Okay? The truth. And so, when we have struggles in life, and we do, when good things happen and when bad things happen, when we begin to doubt, the evidence hasn't changed. The existence of God hasn't changed. When we have days when we doubt Christ, you know, his death and his resurrection hasn't changed. The glory and authority of God hasn't changed. Of course, we know that we need to have faith. The Bible teaches us that we need to have faith. We do need to believe. We read that in Romans already. But I think we have to move from believe that to believe in. You can believe that, yeah? Believe that can present evidence. You know, you can believe in the creator. You can prove the New Testament and the resurrection and all these kinds of things. And people do that. And that will get you so far, it won't get you into the presence of God. Yeah? We know from Scripture in James, it says, even the demons believe and they tremble. We have to go from belief that to belief in. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we move from, I believe that Christ died, to, I believe that Christ died for me. And I claim the position of reconciliation that comes with that. And the identity as a child of God. 
that comes with that. Yeah? We have to know what we say we believe. Yeah? <coughs> Why are we Christians? Why are you a Christian? <laughs> if we say that we're a Christian because we've been brought up in church, you know, because we grew up in a Christian family. I mean, I've said this before, you know, I've grown up in church, so therefore I'm a Christian. That doesn't stick. It doesn't work. You know, you have people say, oh, my parents are Methodists. And so I'm a Methodist. Or I went to Catholic school. What does that mean? You know, if you'd grown up somewhere else in the world, you'd be something different. If I'd been born in Nepal, I'd be a Hindu. Or if I'd been born in Pakistan, I'd be a Muslim. Maybe I'm a Christian because I went to a church service and I like the music and it made me feel good and uh, it made me feel accepted and I made some friends and maybe I help out with tea and coffee or whatever and so now I'm a Christian. Maybe you were invited to an alpha course by a friend yeah, and the discussions that they had were good and they served food at Alpha Courses and they answered some of my questions about Christianity and so now I'm a Christian. There's something wrong with that. Yeah, something wrong with that. What if it went like this? I knew a guy who was a Buddhist and he invited me to take a course and the discussions there were good and they're lovely people and their food was probably nice as well and they answered my questions about Buddhism. So does that make me a Buddhist? What if it weren't something like this? I grew up in church. I was brought up by Christian parents. But then something happened, some terrible accident happened or some terrible tragedy in my family and I was really hurt and damaged by this. And so now I'm an atheist. There's nothing wrong with feelings and emotions. But when our feelings and our emotions occupy the driving seat, then we're in trouble. There is only one good reason to be a Christian, and that is, is it the truth? Regardless of my opinions and my feelings, you know, what we hang our beliefs on must be solid. It's got to be truth, and we must understand it. You look at the New Testament, you know, the book of Acts and the writings of Paul and Peter and these people, they were not writing based on their feelings and their opinions. The kind of things that you see in the New Testament are, this is what Jesus did. You know, these are the things that were written and prophesied in the past, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago in the scriptures. And this is what Jesus did. This is where Jesus was killed. This is where Jesus was buried. This is his empty tomb. He was raised from the dead. This is what happened. These things happened. Here is the evidence. This is true. And it changes everything. That is what the Bible says. Are we able to articulate why we are a Christian? Yeah? Are you not sure if you're able to articulate why you're a Christian? You know, the Bible would have us say what we mean and mean what we say. We use a lot of Christian buzzwords and in church language. You know, we speak to each other in church code. And it doesn't mean a lot outside of these walls. 
people don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah? But you know, life and death is pretty serious. And if we call ourselves Christians, if we give ourselves that title, if we claim to have this answer, this amazing good news, Jesus Christ and his grace and his good news, we need to be able to give a decent account of that. What about doubts and questions? Is it okay to have doubts and questions? lost a page here. <laughs> Is it okay to have doubts and questions? You know, the church is often afraid of difficult questions, isn't it? You know, we go through life and we have serious issues. A lot of people I know right now are going through major problems going through serious problems, and it's not a joke. And we have doubts and we have questions. Jordan Peterson um, does a series of talks on the Bible. In one of these talks in the Bible, he talks about Jacob and where Jacob wrestles with God. And uh, Jacob's not a great role model, (laughs) you know. But so Jacob's going to meet his brother Esau, and at this point in the story, he's scared of Esau, basically. You know, he's worried about what's going to happen when he meets him. And he wrestles with God. And uh, he doesn't realize it's God at the time. But, uh, and he walks with a limp after that. But this is where God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And Israel means those who wrestle with God. And if Israel is... You know, Israel is God's people, those who wrestle with God. And that seems like such a hopeful idea. You know, we go through life, and and life is difficult. But we wrestle with these things. And it's like, I'm not content to just be happy. I'm not content to just take what I'm given. The material things in this world, this this like reflection of glory, these, this temporary idea of what it is to live. We wrestle with these doubts and these questions. This morning, I, I hope and I pray that as we've got difficulties in our families, our friends and church members and people that we love. We take these questions and these doubts and these serious concerns to God and and to the Word and rather than anywhere else. You know, when everything else is falling apart, we need something solid to stand on. Is that right? We need something solid to stand on. We need some truth. And we build ourselves up from there. If you've got serious questions and you've got serious doubts, that's okay. 
The church might be afraid of your difficult questions. God's not afraid of your difficult questions. God's got answers for you. You know, that's it this morning. That's it. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. We have no hope in this world apart from Christ. Take your questions and your doubts to the word of God this morning. First thing. Second thing. Are you secure in your salvation? Are you absolutely certain? In your salvation, are you certain that you are covered by the blood of Jesus this morning? Because the reality is, in the middle of all our problems and the struggles and the suffering that we're going through in this life, in our relationships and all this kind of stuff, the reality is we might not even be here tomorrow. We might not even make it across the road to the car park. Are you secure in your salvation? The word is near to you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. This morning, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.